Hey there, this is Nicholas, and I want to welcome you back to the Cinder Arts Podcast. On this episode, I sit down with Liam Wright, otherwise known as A Raven Renaissance. We take a close look at his new full-length album titled Doves and Ashes. I've been looking forward to this conversation a ton. Liam is one of my greatest friends because of his vulnerability and genuine care for relationship, which is so evident in the way he approaches music. While he writes about some somber and hard moments, Liam is looking up and has a lot of hope to share. Here's our conversation. Here we go. Here we go. Cool. So, Liam, the album is out. How are you feeling about it? I feel good. Um, yeah, it's... Uh it's got a lot of complicated emotions with it, but overall, yeah, I'm really proud of the fact that it's out. I'm really honored by what people have been reaching out to me and saying, and yeah, it's just feels good. Good. You should feel good. You should feel proud. It is absolutely incredible, masterful music, and uh, I'm excited to just get to talk about it with you right now. Um, so if somebody hasn't yet listen to Doves and Ashes, what would you say the overarching theme is? What can, what can they expect? What's your elevator pitch on this record? Yeah. Um, I'd say overall my, my elevator pitch as it were, um, it's kind of along the lines of Doves and Ashes is a narrative record, um, of my journey, kind of finding myself trying to navigate self-love, understanding faith a little bit better and trying to essentially leave behind my notion of what I thought used to be peaceful living um, and in turn moving into what it actually is. So leaving behind a mindset of peacekeeping and self-erasure into um, full full autonomy with myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it'll make sense a lot more when people listen to it. And I can't stress enough, if you haven't listened to it, pause, listen to it, and then come back. Because... It is, it is some of the most vulnerable music um, I've ever heard you write, Liam, um, but also some of the most vulnerable music I've ever heard in, in general, mm. <laughs> um, and especially around the topics of mental health and relationship and faith. Um, I'm curious, what drives you to share uh, so deeply about some of these things? Yeah, um, really, it's, it's necessity for me. Um, I, obviously, you know me as a person. And for, for those of you that are listening that do know me, um, you know that I don't tend to be vulnerable in my day to day. I'm a pretty sunny person. I'm a pretty, uh, I tend to minimize things a lot. And so this project kind of has always been but music in general, um, serves me in a way that it, it it's a kind of an avenue that gives me permission to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, in a way that I don't tend to allow myself in, in relationships. So I kind of utilize music or, or art to, yeah, to, to give myself that space to be like, these are the things that are on your heart and on your mind. Um, and you're allowed to share them and, and music kind of gives it a nice little package and the, the societal stamp of approval that like, this is, mm -hmm. this is your heart. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Wow. I think that's really, um, that's a really beautiful testimony to art and music. Mm -hmm. It's also a real big testament to the fact that we have a long ways to go mm -hmm. um, societally as we, as we talk about some of these harder things. Um, but again, I just want to thank you for the words that you share in these songs. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you are, for me, an artist who, when I listen to you, I, I feel like you get it. Um, you get some of the hardships, the, the mental health struggles, the relational struggles that I face. Um, I'm curious if there's an artist maybe for you that comes to mind um, whose vulnerability has had maybe a, a big impact on you um, in a similar way. Hmm. Uh, yeah, there's thankfully there's many. Um, and I don't think as soon as I say their names, it's going to be a surprise when, when anyone listens to my music. Um, but two, two artists that have really... Um, laid down that foundation for me have been Julian Baker and City in Color. Mm -hmm. um, like obviously Julian Baker is like she she has capitalized so well on like um, 
self-depreciation as like mm-hmm. an art form and and being able to just like step into the the mucky bits of life and make it sound so beautiful like mm-hmm. kind of bringing that juxtaposition is is just so bizarre and um and obviously city in color uh does mm-hmm. something really similar um yeah. just kind of navigating all of these different avenues for for his music a lot of it is is relational stuff and um it's not quite as blunt but um the the poetic nature of of how he views the world and and um opens up about it is definitely been an inspiration to me since i started this whole project so absolutely mm. i've been ripping that uh new julian baker album oh, this week so good yeah, seriously oh. um shoot yeah i i think i when i heard this single um maybe like a month ago mm. i texted you and i just said fuck yeah it was just <laughs> straight up <laughs> <it> was, dude <laughs> It's it hit me so hard. I've all I've been waiting for Julian Baker with like the, that kind of energy, that instrumentation for mm-hmm. a long time. But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely feel you on those artists. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and I I personally like as an artist, but also like as an art consumer, I've always found um, mental health and like true honesty about relationship. Um, again, the, those two topics to be such a challenging line to walk mm. um, in writing and in listening. Um, but you do it so masterfully on this record. Um, <laughs> and you are too kind. <laughs> I'm, I'm not being too kind. Um, yeah, and I, I think a song like Seabed specifically comes to mind um, in that regard. In the seabed seems like a nice place to live and drowning has never been an option to forgive but I'm choking on Mondays and struggling to fail but when you write hard and frustrating and challenging lyrics like these um, do you find it to be a way of releasing some of these feelings? Um, or maybe in contrast, do you find it um, an opportunity to kind of hold on to things um, without, uh, I guess, getting them, having them like drag you down too much? Hmm. Like giving them a safe space maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, I think for me... Um, it's kind of it's kind of a, a delicate tightrope walk between those two ideas. Um, in turn, kind of like I was I was saying earlier, um, music is always the avenue where I give myself permission to feel what I feel, um, and in part that's kind of what this whole record is about: is letting myself feel what I need to feel. And so, in part, um, yeah, like writing and stepping into really vulnerable and kind of uh, like icky parts of me. Um, yeah, it, it serves as, as a pretty powerful release to actually let myself understand that the things that are weighing me down are weighing me down. Um, because in my, in my day-to-day life, I tend to just minimize the things that are kind of ripping up my heart and just kind of Mm -hmm. slapping on a smile for the sake of it. So when I step into music, um, it does give me that sense of release, but at the same time, um, release isn't isn't the only effective way of articulating your thoughts and and so it also serves me in a way um and a song like seabed in particular and and becoming at the end of the record um both of those kind of serve as testaments for me to hold on to um as far as like looking at where i've been understanding the weight of those places and the power that's kind of come through them and so yeah, it's, I don't release it for the sake of forgetting it or just like trying to no longer let it be a part of me. But it's, yeah, like I said, it's kind of this delicate line of like making sure I'm not holding it so tightly in my gut that it's tearing me apart and I don't even realize. And also like honoring the the messy parts and mm-hmm. yeah, being willing to accept that that a journey is a journey and sometimes the journey has, has low moments. So mm-hmm. yeah, kind of utilizing retrospective understanding of who I am and also, um, cathartic Mm. expression at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I know one thing that was important to you on this album 
um, that made it so unique from other projects uh, they're writing in the past that you were writing and singing songs about yourself kind of for the first time mm-hmm. um and i guess i kind of just wondered because when i when i hear these songs a lot of emotions come up and i feel like i said before like you're speaking to me or at least i mm. feel known by you when mm. you're speaking i wonder if there's any kind of like relational um like part to it for you where you're thinking about the people that are going to hear this or um maybe not even just in the writing but like in the recording as you're reflecting or when you um now have released it you've performed it was has there ever been moments where you're thinking about relationship with the listener or with somebody else um who's engaging with it afterwards Hmm, right um definitely definitely have been uh, that's that's been a a forefront on on my mind, um, kind of as far as making this record. But I, I did something a little different on a heart level with this one, um, and and what I mean by that is essentially writing this record. Um, I knew the purpose of it was first and foremost to to allow it to be something healing for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would have been fine not releasing this record and just making these songs, putting them in the order that I did, and, um, and allowing it to serve as, as simply that. Um, but at the same time, um, I am a very relational person, and, and that's typically why I do music anyway. Like, prior, prior to this record, um, I used to make records just so I could play shows. So that way I had a catalog and, like, something yeah. I could send to a, to a venue so they'd let me play. And... Um, so I don't know. It's it's navigated a, a pretty unique space this time around because um, obviously, like I'm 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 understanding that when when I open up, um, not only does it reveal reveal who I am to the world, but it allows other people and listeners in particular to to find resonance to to realize that the world, although it's as big as it is, isn't as big as it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely. It's unique, and and I'm sure we'll get to it a little bit later. But the way I recorded everything um, was kind of intended for it to seem kind of live, as if I were, you know, like kind of spilling my guts out to you in the room instead. And like we recorded our vocals and our guitar, all my parts at least, at the exact same time. So we didn't do multi track for any of my parts. Oh, wow. We just yeah. went straight in because I wanted to simulate this live connection component as best I could. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I think you absolutely achieved all of those goals. Um, I've felt quite spoken to, Mm. Uh, I'll probably say that a bunch of times, but, um, yeah, I think especially given the fact that this was recorded, um, written, produced, like the whole process was done, um, for the most part during a pandemic, um, it is a very relational, Mm. um, record and I, I yeah I'm really impressed by that um yeah I'm curious to maybe actually talk a little bit about previous projects mm-hmm. too um this is your third full-length record which yes. is impressive in and of itself <laughs> Thank you. so congratulations on that um the holy trinity yeah <laughs> exactly um yeah so you've in, in previous records, also explored relationship um, and faith. You've explored loss. Um, I'm curious, in contrast to maybe this project, what were some defining themes and moments in those previous records, and how did they guide you into this new record, Doves and Ashes? Hmm. Yeah, um, it was a very natural uh, um, kind of progression. Uh, essentially, before I even had had a single song for Doves and Ashes and didn't really know what it was going to be about. Um, the whole concept, um, at least the way I was viewing it, was that this record would essentially be a part three because um, the, the previous two records, because I'm a singer-songwriter, are about things that happened in my life and me trying to make sense out of them. So for the first record, for Anchors, um, I wrote that. I wrote most of those songs when I was about 15, 16, and released it when I was 17. And obviously, the, 
the nature of a 17-year-old's world struggles are pretty much just along the lines of being confused about love, trying to find identity, um, finding love and identity in the wrong places, and then trying to figure out how to move forward. Um, and for me, through through a lens of faith. And um, that's kind of where Funeral Clothes flipped the script for me, was um, the whole record is essentially navigating the idea of loss and grief and trying to further understand the way I work um, and how that moves along with the way I view how I should work. And the the difference between both of those records and Doves and Ashes is the focal points were always external. Um, everything that I was writing about was an event that was happening or something along the lines of, yeah, um, something that was going on externally that I needed to make sense of. And where Doves and Ashes kind of differed is the I finally hit the point where the one thing that I needed to start making complete sense of was myself and not the things that were externally happening. So, um, yeah, the, the my biggest enemy was not um, the loss of people I love or... Um, anything along those lines it was it was coming face to face with my own insecurities and the things that I've kind of been asleep to for the last 25 26 years and um that brings us up to now where doves and ashes is essentially chapter three of of Liam's life and analyzing that those two records um at excuse me anchors and funeral clothes kind of laid the foundation for the things that I needed to unpack uh, mm. this time around a lot later than maybe I should have. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Um, challenging, but like, mm. great. I think it's, I might reference this a little bit later, but I, there's, I love self-referential music. Mm. Um, and they're very, small moments that I notice in some of your music that does that. Um, but it's really cool to hear about like, I, I think a major theme on, on doves and ashes is growth and, mm-hmm. and we'll get into doves and ashes specifically here in a minute. Um, but to hear that growth of the, over the course of, you know, almost 10 years and three albums yeah, it's. You said that it's um, maybe too late, but it sounds like you're. I mean, you're addressing a lot of this a lot earlier than a lot of people would, and I think maybe. Would you agree that maybe art is the reason that you're able to to dive into some of these thoughts a little bit more? Or maybe what what's what are some other things that might help you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, being being the person I am and and wired the way that I am, I understand um, at least for myself that um, I have an artist heart, and and therefore um, art is is the one thing um, that I know I can rely on to express these things um, when my mouth is a little bit slow or that uh, I have a little too much regulation going going on inside my mind. So, yeah. mm-hmm. awesome. Well, this is your first um, record written to be listened to straight through. In fact, in your liner notes, you humbly ask the audience to listen to it um, front to front to back. It's true, and it's true. <laughs> yeah, I think it's awesome. I again, um, I guess I just want to go into a, a little bit more about the intentionality behind the writing of this. Um, there were no singles; it just came out as an album. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the caveat of the title track, um, every song was kind of stream of consciousness from the first to the last. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit of retouching for Doves and Ashes um, at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a beautiful story. It's a challenging story again. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, let's talk about it. What was the writing process like? Um, how did this differ from those previous albums in your, in your writing? Um, and then as far as intentionality goes, there's um, a lot of structure for the album as a whole. And I, I'd love for you to talk more about that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's like, I, the, the one fault of this record is like, it might be overly intentional, which is something I've just never done. Um, yeah. Every single um, instrument, 
lyric um, dynamic and structure is completely intentional as far as what I'm trying to convey in a narrative style. So um, every single song was written chronologically, um, lyric and basic structure with a couple tweaks, obviously, because that's that's how art works. Right. But um, yeah, everything was written. So Coward was the first song that I wrote for this whole project. Um, And then moving through through the record um, every single song has a lyric component um, that ties into the next one as far as some kind of basic setup and um, the the layout of it is it's yeah it's truly it's truly narrative Um, the record itself it's nine songs including the the instrumental at the top Mm -hmm. and each um, each triad so each songs of three is kind of a it's, it sounds a little pompous to call it an act, but like let's let's call it like just a, a specific chapter. I think that works, yeah. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But um, so act one or whatever you want to call it, uh, Will It Be Well, Coward and Evening Song um, is kind of laying down a foundation of the way that I've been on autopilot and how I've been operating for really my entire life prior to starting this project. Um understanding insecurities and the brokenness that I have, but not really, not really understanding it, not understanding how big of a problem it had been for me um, or where some of those things were stemming from. And then the second little portion there where we have Doves and Ashes, Seabed and Confidants um, is essentially those three songs in order are laying out what happens when your autopilot finally breaks down Mm. and when you can no longer operate the way you have for a long time um, if you want to keep moving forward. Mm. And obviously it hits a pretty pretty massive dip in there and then starts scooping up. And then the third portion, those final three songs, Masonry, Harvest, and Becoming, are finally looking at who I am and the things that are weighing me down under a microscope really analyzing and letting myself understand the weight that they hold and ultimately accepting that they need to change and doing what I can to, uh, to finally, uh, allow myself to be me as it were. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's, I want to talk about the start and end maybe, Mm -hmm. um, the, your, there's this hymn, it is well, um, and that's how you both start and end right. the record, right. um, which is really fascinating. And I'd love for you to fill in some of the gaps as I fail to talk about this. But this <laughs> this hymn, It Is Well, was written by this guy who was in a shipwreck, whose family was unreachable and like in a, you know, uh, th- there was very little hope for this person. And they wrote this hymn. Um, and the beginning and the end of this record have very different feels, um, amidst the same, uh, same tune, the same hymn. Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you to talk about that more, um, especially in the context of these like, um, acts or chapters. The first chapter has a very, very different tone for that hymn than the last chapter. Um, talk about some of the, the backstory behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of the, the main sort of deal with it is, is um, I think I might have mentioned it a little bit earlier, but, but I'm someone that's incredibly concerned with internal and external peace. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that hymn in particular has always been um, one with a lot of resonance and personal power for me. Um, for those that don't know, um, I, I am a minister, work, work in a church setting, and have, have for a long time. And um, kind of as far as the way that I understood the understood the hymn and wanted to implement it is um, kind of this juxtaposition of um, essentially what will it be well the first track kind of holds where it's outlining this this hymn melody of it is well with my soul um, but it's laying under a bunch of minor chords. Yeah, it kind of 
kind of serves as, as a psalm of lament for me in a way. And, and what I mean by that is there's this disparity, this understanding that things aren't the way they're supposed to be, that there's some component of suffering, um, but still trying to speak these ideas of I am at peace, I will be well, um, and kind of navigating that sort of tension space um, and trying to figure out where that goes. And and I figured that would be a, a pretty solid foundation for this this opening track on the record because that is essentially how I had been operating my entire life was telling myself that like things will be peaceful, things will be well, I'm an optimist to a fault, so I'd steer into it. Um, but there was just this underlying tension that I wasn't allowing myself to fully believe that. Mm-hmm. And so navigating song by song, um, we get to the end of Becoming, and um, we hear it come back, but this time it's in a more traditional sound. It's it's all piano that I played um, and is major. It's, it's moved from this minor sort of thing where there's finally an acceptance that no matter what the external um, facet has, um, I'm finally starting to accept that um, there, there can be peace within me, um, and it's not the way I was trying to chase it for, for so long. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you talk a little bit about faith. I, I think one song that stood out to me um, was Harvest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, as y- you've gone through this, like, you described it as you, your rhythm was disrupted and um then you're in this phase of of growth and this song harvest feels like a landing point in a lot of ways um talking about faith and hope and direction and belonging and purpose and all these things come up and mm. um yeah in in what ways does that song feel like a landing point to you yeah um well, it in a lot of ways, in short, um, and we'll and I'm sure we'll get to this in just a second too. But um, Harvest actually um, has a, a sibling song on this record. Every mm-hmm. single song that isn't "Will It Be Well" yeah. has a sibling, um, as far as like thematic elements. And I'll get to that in, in just a sec. But with Harvest, um, it's paired up with with Doves and Ashes, and mm-hmm. and essentially the the focus of Doves and Ashes is me operating under these peacekeeping pseudo lenses for so long and essentially trying to control as much as I can. Um, and so what harvest is, is, um, kind of an allusion to, to two stories that have really, have really shaped my personal life. Um, and that's kind of alluding to, um, John 15, five, um, talking where, where Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches, uh, whoever lives in me and I in him will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And then the story of the prodigal son, um, which is pretty, pretty displayed through society a lot. So I won't get into that too much, but, um, so what harvest has served for me is it pretty much just came down to a point where I needed to address that I've been doing things my own way for just a little bit too long, and it's clearly not working. And um, and I, I hit my point of collapse, um, where I was taking care of myself by not taking care of myself and, and realizing that I needed to kind of come home in a way. And so so Harvest is essentially my song of coming home and, and allowing myself to, to be the person, not that I am choosing to be, but the person that I am, if yeah. that makes sense. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you're, I think this album, I mentioned self-referential earlier. Mm. Um, there's a lot of references like you're describing, and I'd love to go through maybe like all of these pairings in a second. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's cool how everything feels connected. Like mm. it, it really does feel like you're watching a movie or reading a book or something like that. And there's a story going on. In Harvest, you reference your whiskers <laughs> and that's right that threw me back to uh the song whiskers on mm-hmm. funeral cl- clothes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um loved hearing that as a as a big fan of self-referential music but mm-hmm. um yeah i'd love to hear more about uh, some other pairings other than um doves and ashes and harvest mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, and even before I do that, um, I'm glad yeah. I'm glad you caught that. That's yeah. for it's it's a little nugget for the people that have been listening because that entire verse is actually made of uh, my old recycled song lyrics. As whiskers grow and I walk alone, I take steps back when it's colder below. The sun has started to warm these winter bones. I'm working hard to unlearn myself. I'm giving up ash for the true dove to dwell. So, um, as whiskers grow is from whiskers. Um, walk alone that sort of thing is um is from uh the view down here mm. um i'll take steps back is from my song just half off anchors mm. um when it's colder below is also the view down here um and the sun has started to warm these winter bones is from winter bones and so wow. that whole verse is kind of an illusion which is why it's place in harvest is um it's self it's like referring back to who I've been all this time. Wow, yeah. And then the the next line, I'm working hard to unlearn myself and mm. giving up ash for the true dove to dwell is kind of just my, that's my little condensed version of what I'm trying to do with this whole record mm. essentially is wow. look back at where I've been and find out where I need to go. So I, I just think it's so funny so that, you, that you found yeah, that. I, <laughs> no, I, I, that line, I mean, whiskers has always been one of my favorite songs of yours. And so, mm. um, yeah, hard not to catch. Yeah, that. but I I didn't even realize that about the other stuff. I'm gonna have to go back and listen through uh, through those other songs. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, really cool. Um, yeah, for sure. And yeah, as, yeah. as far as um, the other pairings, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, like I said, every single song has a sibling song. Um, Will it be well? Kind of doubles back, like we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it shares the same hymn that bookends the whole record. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single song has like a, a thematic counterpart or um, mm-hmm. some something that juxtaposed it. So, um, coward ties in directly to masonry because mm-hmm. both of those songs deal with um, my tendency of self erasure and mm-hmm. ultimately uh, codependency and in intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. Evening Song ties into the song Confidants um, because Evening Song is all about the love that I wish I had or the one that I don't feel like I have. And then Confidance is just a massive allusion to all the love that I do have in my life mm-hmm. and finally accepting that. Mm-hmm. Um, Doves and Ashes ties into Harvest, as I mentioned, um, for, for the sake of leaving behind my control for the sake of... Um, kind of surrender, if you will. And then mm-hmm. Seabed um, ties into the song Becoming um, through a pretty obvious through line of Seabed is my lowest point, not believing that I have anything left to offer. Mm-hmm. And then Becoming is the growth out of that to realize that um, that I'm, I'm much more than, yeah. than where I was. So Yeah. Um, man, I, that's so cool. It's like, it's also like kind of ge- geometric, which I like. I'm mm-hmm. like... Uh, I don't know. I loved in middle school and high school. I would draw like geometric art with like on graph paper oh, word, all the yeah. time and whatnot. But like looking at the list of songs too, it's kind of cool to see how they they all connect. And mm-hmm. it, it's um, it's it's such an intentionally done record. And I and you apologized earlier <laughs> for it being too intentional. I have not felt this connected with um, with a record in a while, and hmm. I think your intentionality, your devotion to making everything matter on it really shines and is really important. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I'm curious. We'll, we'll take it a little bit of a different direction yeah. um, in, and talk about the artwork. Yeah. Because the artwork on this record, I, I would just say all of your artwork for all of your records um, has been so beautiful. This one is just quite different than the other ones there's no color it's all black and white Mm -hmm. and it's this little apartment building what is the significance of this place to you right right um yeah and like you said um as far as relating to the other two records um in my mind it is still um 
a part three. And so mm. my, my intention with um, my album artwork has always been finding people that I love to, um, to sketch out my work. So mm. my friend Jens um, did the cover for Anchors. Um, my friend Sarah did Funeral Clothes. And then for this new record, uh, my friend Kelsey um, sketched that out for me. And the significance of the image, um, even though looking at it doesn't really tie into the the title too much, is uh, that actually is the apartment building that I wrote every single one of these songs in and crafted all of this in order. So uh-huh. if you're looking at the, the cover, uh, I lived in the top right corner apartment. And uh, if, you, if you listen to Evening Song, that first line, uh, I'm nervous to sing in the daylight because all the neighbors might hear, um, they are the seven units that heard an awful <laughs> lot of this uh-huh. over and over again. I'm nervous to sing in the daylight. Because all the neighbors might hear About how I fail as a lover That it's been a tricky year So I'll quiet down Make sure it disappears. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, um, it was a place of, um, I don't know, navigating who I, who I was trying to become. And so the fact that this record came from that space and, and that, that little apartment had um, so much significance to me. And I don't really tend to put a lot of significance on like material things. I, it's just not really how my brain works. But, um, but that, that space was, um, was pretty sacred to me. And so I wanted to, um, yeah, kind of honor, honor the time that I had in that space uh, by tying it into this record. Wow. I'm looking at it right now. And maybe you don't have a comment on this, but I noticed that the wall and kind of the right to the right of mm-hmm. your apartment is very dark right. and all of the apartments to the left are so bright. Right. Um, and that has some cool imagery to me about like nervousness in relationship, but mm. also like tremendous value mm. in people being near you and hearing you, mm. hearing your voice, but also like just knowing your presence and whatnot. Um, it's beautiful artwork. Mm. Thank you. I wish that's what it meant. That's just how it looked with the sun when yeah. we decided to sketch it. But, but I like that a lot more. Hey. We're going to go with that. <laughs> cool. That's why yeah. it's that way. Cool. Uh, Thank you, Kelsey. Yeah, regardless, Kelsey, beautiful artwork. Awesome. I I am so drawn to this kind of look. And um, yeah, I think, like you said, like the, it feels like a really good um, like third edition to the mm-hmm. music that you've made. Um yeah. So uh, let's let's take another kind of turn. Um and we'll talk more about music as we go forward from this record, but I also want to mention the fact that I have known you in at least five other projects <laughs> since I've met you. Yes. Um <laughs> uh my own included and I'm right. so excited to have you be a part of that all the time. The you pleasure make it, is all mine. <laughs> oh my gosh, you make it so great. Um, but I want to hear about your other projects, plug some stuff, um, and, uh, talk about what else you've been up to outside of Doves and Ashes. Yeah. Um, thankfully I'm, I think I'm learning to slow down a little bit. Um, so it's, it's getting a little more tangible. So my projects, um, currently the ones that, that I'm working with are obviously Raven Renaissance, um, and then obviously love Frazier, but, um, the, the third one is, uh, I front a band called carbs. Um, we're, we're part of the cinder collective as well. Um, kind of incredibly clean punk sort of, sort of infusion there. So, um, yeah, it's just fun to just get rowdy with, with the boys as it were. But, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's actually an interesting b- point because right around the time you were writing Doves and Ashes, working on it, um, you were also working on an EP for Carbs. Yeah. How 
do you differentiate that process, the, the songs you use, the words that you use for one project over the other? Um, and how have you been navigating kind of just that like completely different vibes? Mm -hmm. Um, how, how do you navigate that? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's, it is pretty interesting. Um, because my, my heartbeat behind my lyric writing is essentially, it's the same, like, um, utilizing those spaces and music to, to articulate things that I won't say normally. Um, but it, they, they move obviously in pretty different avenues. So, if you listen to carbs, you get a lot more of my reactivity. Um, so my my lyrics are angrier. They're a little less gracious. They're only so focused on me and way more focused on on the things that upset me. Um, so you could say that's like Liam's anger coming out, which for most people doesn't probably doesn't even look like anger, but for me it does. Um, and then Doves and Ashes is um, or a Raven Renaissance in general is. Um, kind of along the lines of instead of um, writing lyrics reactively, it's it's writing my lyrics responsively. Hmm. And um, usually instead of it being anger, um, kind of navigates a, a bigger spectrum of emotion. Um, obviously, there's a lot of sorrow in, in the things that I write, a little bit hmm. of grief. There's also a lot of joy. Um, anxiety comes in there. It's, it's kind of... Um, just two two separate avenues of the same idea that I'm kind of parceling out um, the way that I need to to uncover who I am um, in just really different ways. Mm. So, yeah. Carbs is reactive. A Raven Renaissance is responsive. Mm. Both of them are Liam. So love it if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it's super cool. Um, yeah. And if you haven't listened to that EP yet, uh, where can they find it? What are they looking for? Yeah, you can find it uh, anywhere. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, if you just type in carbs, it's self-titled. And uh, yeah, hold on to your butts. It's pretty, it's pretty rocking. Well, let's let's talk pandemic a little bit and uh, making a record in a pandemic. Yeah, um, interesting stuff. This was largely created, um, if not completely created, amidst the pandemic, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, I'd love to hear more about the recording, the production, the process, what that looked like. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, most most of this record. Um, was written pre-pandemic, but not by much. Um, I started I started writing Coward in October of 2019, mm. um, and I was I was just finishing, just wrapping up Masonry um, in March by by the time okay. that uh, we went into lockdown, and so um, I kind of was chipping away for a little bit longer. Um, but I had all all the songs written um, from October. I had them all kind of dialed in. Uh, by late July, mm -hmm. and um, I knew that I wanted to get these out of my head as quickly as possible, um, mm -hmm. so I hit up Braden, and we started tracking in September, um, and the fastest uh, recording time I've ever done, we, we had everything wrapped in just over three months, Wow! Um, which is, yeah, like I said, that's not my track record, <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I, need, I needed to... Um, yeah, in a way, like we were talking about earlier, this is something I needed to release in order mm -hmm. to be able to reflect. And um, yeah, just I needed to mobilize on it personally. Yeah. So, well, so I think funeral clothes felt like a like a landing point for a lot of the the musical style that you do. Mm -hmm. This album felt like a landing point for the production style, and just like mm -hmm. it was so pristine, so clean. I'm curious, what is like special sauce on mm -hmm. this record um, or the sauces yeah. that make it so um, just flawless. For sure. Two words, Braden Gillespie. He did it. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, he recorded and produced absolutely everything. 
mm-hmm. and played on on a couple teeny little spots here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just the the way that we we walked into it. Um, I had told him as far as the vision that I wanted for this record mm-hmm. was quite simply I wanted um, the most minimal record possible um, to really bring out um, the lyrics and, mm. and the thoughts and then to be able to to craft it in in a way that would support it yeah and um, yeah and the ideas that we came up with as far as miking and and all this stuff was pretty wild we, I, I tracked all of my vocal and all my guitar like I said earlier um, complete did those at the exact same time um, we used uh, we only used metronomes on the tracks with drums every single okay. other song we didn't um, and that was intentional mm. Um to allow some ebb and flow, especially with with the context of some of those songs, I, I didn't want it to seem super polished, locked in, and comfortable. I wanted kind of the natural deviation, kind of the natural mm-hmm. anxiety of stepping to the next line and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as far as getting the other people in, um, yeah, it was a long, a lot of long days full of full of masks and like mm-hmm. stepping in and out as as much as possible. Um, and, and getting people to just lay down their parts and then step out. But, um, yeah, yeah, so scheduling was probably the worst part, Mm -hmm. um, as everything is with everything ever, but a pandemic made it just, just that much worse, um, because health was on the line as well. So yeah, it was, um, it was pretty wild, but we Mm -hmm. got through it and it turned out the way it did. Oh, it sounds phenomenal. I, I was also very much struck by how full-bodied the songs that don't have the full mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. feel like um yeah i don't want to just land on this song so much but like seabed the it f- it's just you and a guitar right you and mm-hmm. electric yeah and we just added um one electric in the back um mm-hmm. for for some swell stuff and cranked yeah. up the bass but that's it yeah yeah and it felt it feels just as like full-bodied as everything mm. else the drums um are just some of the best drums i've heard out mm-hmm. of like cinder artists yeah produced ever i just all of it feels like such a pinnacle moment for so many um uh, for so many reasons but um yeah it's, it, it's a lot of special sauce mm-hmm. on, on this one um, we like to keep it saucy. Yeah, saucy. Chase Rabido and the slide, mm-hmm. slidey boy. Um, yes, that was a big thing that stood out for me as mm-hmm. well on this record. Yeah, and me as well. I learned that slide guitar is my favorite instrument of all time after yeah. this record. And yeah, Chase has a, a pretty wild uh, Gibson lap steel from the '30s, mm-hmm. and. I I pretty much told him like I want you to play that more than a regular guitar on this if yeah. you're down and he happily obliged. So awesome. really quick, do you want to shout out the other people who are on the record who are singing and and playing instruments? I would absolutely love to. Yeah, yeah um so obviously you've got myself on on guitar and vocal. Um, Chase Rabideau on electric and slide and a little bit of banjo and confidence. Mm. He's in the room right now. Kind of. Um, for for people that were singing with me, we had Jen Sandoval and Gwen Hamilton, who just totally brought it. Um, Jake Jake Kelly played all the drums for the record. Um, I hopped in on on bass and piano for kind of the rest of the the rest of the little bits there. Um, and then we had my friend Marissa Renea play cello um, on two of the songs that really, really, really brought some stuff together. And then for those of you that have heard it, um, there are two voicemails um, surrounding Confidants kind of booking that song. One is Nicholas Burton, who I am talking to right now. Um, and then the second one is Michaela Henderson. Um, outside of that, Nicholas Burton guy, that's an A, A plus gold star. He's peaked right too. there. Um, yeah. Well, okay. That it's so good. I just I can't <laughs> say that enough. But you you released it in such a unique way that was driven by the pandemic. Uh you did this listening party um that was so unique, so special, mm-hmm. um really matched the intentionality um of the record despite the pandemic, despite like um COVID and all of that and having to make changes this event was so so incredible hmm. um 
And because friends and healthy relationships were an, a, a major theme on on the record, uh, this seemed important to do. I'm, I'm curious if you could just uh, explain kind of like how you went about celebrating the the record being done. Yeah. Um, honestly, for me, it was it was kind of a perspective of instead of celebrating the record, it's I, I wanted to celebrate all the people that that mm-hmm. helped me make it happen. Yeah. Um, and so what we what we decided to do was um, I drove around a couple different parks in Seattle, um, analyzed their parking lots, and then found the one that I figured would be best. So I sent out a group text to everyone that was involved with the record one way or another, um, had them put down a time um, the weekend before the record was released to just come meet up, and I just brought like a cooler um, and some snacks and stuff. And what we did was we just like outside spent some time like reconnecting um doing all that sort of deal and then uh to listen to the record together i just had everyone move into their individual cars um rolled down my window and screamed uh a countdown to play every single song so that way um we could listen together and even though we weren't in the the same space necessarily we were kind of in the same open air space and you know shooting glances between our windshields and um yeah just trying to to bring a little bit of communal aspect and at least show my gratitude for, for everyone that was on it. So, like I said, it was so special and, um, rare to feel a sense of community in the same way right now. And I was just so thankful that you, you made that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, especially around such a special release. Um, and then on top of that, you did your, um, your live stream the night of it coming out and that was phenomenal. Can people still listen or go watch that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's just archived, um, on Facebook. I'll, I'll reshare the video, um, today and, um, it kind of have some other things coming through that as well. But yeah, um, yeah, the, the stream was actually completely impulse. Hmm. I decided like three days before, um, you know, like I said earlier, like my favorite, part about doing music is getting to perform it um and especially getting to perform it with my friends um for my friends kind of thing so i just decided to do whatever i could to make a stream happen Braden did everything he could to make the the sound as awesome as it was um i learned real fast how to how to make my computer be able to push the stream at a good quality all that kind of fun stuff Mm -hmm. um but yeah i just had wanted to have just a nice big um fun little launch and celebration yeah. mostly for my friends and yeah. I just wanted to make some noise in the process. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to watch some of these songs performed live, um, and are missing concerts, Liam has you covered and he has the, he, he you played every song all the way through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did the record in order and then did one, uh, one of my older ones at the end. Yeah. Oh gosh. It was so great. Go watch that on Facebook, follow a Raven Renaissance on Facebook. Um, yeah, three full-length albums done. Again, that's so impressive. Um, and that's just for this project, not to mention the other right. projects we were talking about earlier. There have been many. Yeah, um, <laughs> very impressive. What is next for A Raven Renaissance? I'm going to rest a little. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the, main, the main reason for that um, is, is kind of what we were kind of talking about earlier. Um, I, I want to honor honor this record and kind of honor myself in a way by not moving on to the next thing too quickly um to let it kind of just take up a little bit of space um to navigate the the internet super highway as it will or will not um yeah and just kind of give myself um yeah myself a little bit of production grace because um even outside of this record i've i've been in a very long season of needing to kind of perform or produce or have tangible tangible things and Mm -hmm. so now that the record um is essentially done and there's no i can't control it anymore um yeah i'm just kind of using this this time right now for yeah just a little bit of a little bit of rest um i'm not doing it very well i'm already working on new songs and i've already got Mm -hmm. like three or four um but but i'm i'm doing the best that i can to stop yeah so absolutely Mm -hmm. well Look forward to supporting you in your rest um, and streaming what we have because it mm. is great. Oh, thank you. I want to listen to one uh, one of the songs off of Doves and Ashes. Um, is there a song that you have in mind that you'd want to share, maybe talk more about? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think 
we we've talked so much about the the main themes of this record and you kind y'all kind of know where where my heart is about all this stuff and so i think the song um that i'd love to kind of dig in a little bit more uh would be confidence um cool. just because it's it's the one song on the record that isn't entirely a deep dive into myself it's it's yeah. about um the people that help me kind of get out of myself in a way so, absolutely let's listen let's do it hey liam um i just wanted to call and let you know that i'm thinking about you and praying for you and that uh, i love you a lot man and i i just want to be there for you if i can be so give me a call i just want to check in and see how you're doing today but um yeah, let me know, at least like a text, let me know that you're doing okay. Um, and it's okay not to be okay, but I I just care about you. And uh, yeah, reach out when you can. Thanks. Bye. That was Confidence by a Raven Renaissance. Liam, I am. I get. I you. Uh, 
I got chills in the middle of that um, when you weren't looking at me. I promise this actually happened. I was having a moment. Um, and it's the, you talk about somebody calling you and wanting, like, I don't know, just the realization that people care about you and that um, you're saying, like, you think, like, other people think you're all right. But I think there's, like, a, this is a moment in the record where there's, like, this attention given to your own realization that like if other people think I'm all right, maybe I am all right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're talking about these relationships, um, maybe it's one relationship, maybe it's multiple relationships mm-hmm. in this song. Um, and saying like, I don't it's it, It's really impressive to hear you be saying that, you're acknowledging that you're not quite there yet, but you're by acknowledging it, you're taking the steps to get there mm-hmm. and to pursue confidence in yourself, confidence in your ability to have relationship. Mm. Um, it's a really special song. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. What comes up for you as you're hearing that again? Yeah. Um, well, and, and I, I think you brought a really good point that I'm just going to add to um, is specifically with, with those lines um, that are kind of at the end of each verse. Um, it's not only am I, am I understanding that, you know, that people are, are caring for me, um, or are concerned with how I'm doing or my health, but, um, specifically the, the component that I've been trying to leave behind all the, the songs prior to that, that, um, I'm, I'm loved and I'm cared about no matter what what not mm-hmm. not because i'm doing the right things or saying the right stuff or not saying the wrong stuff mm-hmm. um kind of not needing to worry about any more self-regulation in order to to get full love mm-hmm. um yeah this this song is kind of where i i finally let myself acknowledge that and and uh, and each verse is is kind of a different clumsy way of me trying to understand mm-hmm. that and um yeah, it's it is a pretty interesting that like you mentioned with the relationships on this one. Um every single verse and the little chorus after, there's there's three of them total mm-hmm. and each one is geared um to I kind of had a person in mind when I wrote it, but mm. um in general it's to kind of three different groups of people. Yeah. And so the first one are um are my friends that pretty much have emotional intelligence um mm-hmm. that are just like that were there for me when when things were um were not well within me. Um, and so like when I have the illusion, even when you're a hurricane, you remind me that I didn't notice the rain (laughs) to me, a hurricane is just someone that's like expressing emotion period. Like Mm. it's, it's kind of hyperbolic. It's really not, uh, it's not that big, but to me, um, a lot of emotion does feel really big. Mm. Um, and then the second verse is all about my friends that kind of operate like me in one way or another, where it's, it's all about, um, being focused outward uh, before focusing inward. So looking to care for someone else before you care for yourself. And so that, that line of, um, the world can rest in your peace alone, Mm. but I know you'll give before you're fully grown. Um, so let's take it slow is, is kind of like a mantra that, that I've always lived by, which isn't a very healthy one. Um, and then the chorus after that is actually a quote from Michaela, who's the, the voicemail Mm. at the end there. Um, and she said, um, you're afraid to ask for too much time, but I'm not going to sleep unless you're all right. Mm. And that's pretty, pretty important and powerful for me to, to hit that realization that we were talking about earlier, mm. that um, no matter what, um, I'm, I'm allowed to reach out for, for, for love when I need it and, and can expect that, that it'll be there from, from the people that I care about. Yeah. So, and then the, the third verse is not about a group of people. It's just specifically about my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, kind of like the obvious illusion of like you held me when I was two foot four. Yeah. Um, you've seen your share of the harder things. He's, he's had a lot of loss in his life, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and had a, a very heart-to-heart conversation with me kind of when I was in, we can call it the seabed days, if you want to call it that, um, yeah. just like begging me to not, not be another, another thing he has to grieve, yeah. which, yeah, which is pretty, it's heavy, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, and then stepping out of that and just understanding who I am and um, how to move forward with that has just been really powerful. So those, those three kinds of friendships mm-hmm. um, brought me, brought me out of a lot of things and brought me into, into a whole lot more. Wow. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeehaw, sad boy. Yeehaw, sad boy, in the words of Chase Rabideau. <laughs> yes, this is, uh, this is the only s- song on the record that is an outright hootenanny, but, um, but by golly. That guitar. Oh, it just, <laughs> oh, it rips, man. it grips, it snips, and it trips. Hmm. I Liam, guess. thank you for, for, that, for sharing about this song, about the album. Um, I've been, in so, been so inspired by this music, um, been really inspired by this conversation. I'm curious what you're listening to right now. I, I just want to end it with that. Like, what, what is keeping you going music-wise right now? Yeah, um, it's going to be different next week, just how, how it always of goes. Course. This week um, has been... <laughs> I'm laughing now that I'm thinking about what it's been. Um, so, like we were talking earlier, the the new Julian Baker record, yeah, excellent. Um, I have been stepping back into uh, some of Penny and Sparrow's discography because um, nice, yeah. I, I I have a, a lot of resonance with with them as a group because mm. their songs are very you know kind of melancholy, pretty pretty deep, pretty heavy. And then as soon as you hear them talk, they're just like not people that are like that and so i i find a lot of personal resonance in that like gotcha, yeah. like i i'm a goofy person that writes sad songs mm. i'm not a sad person that writes sad songs yeah all the time and um so i'm listening to those two um i've also been listening to a lot of duran jones and the indications mm. um so good if you have not heard them you're wasting your time. You need to go do that right now. I'd prefer you listen to their stuff before you listen to mine. Hmm. And then last but not least, um, I just put on uh, Lemonade by Beyonce again. And oh, it's yeah. so good. So that's been uh, a daily staple. And then to cap it off, uh, the essential hollow notes. Hmm. Yeah, cool. they are so good. Well, Liam, thank you for your music. Thank you for your words, your intentionality. Um, I know this record and just your friendship has helped me feel known and challenged, um, but loved while being challenged. And I appreciate it a ton. And I know that you're going to have the same effect for a lot of other listeners. So thank you for your time. No, and thank you for yours. I, I appreciate you tons. Of course. Thanks for hanging out and listening. If you want to support Liam, you can find A Raven Renaissance on all streaming platforms and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The new record is called Doves and Ashes. Also, check out Carbs while you're at it. You can find Cinder Arts on Instagram, Facebook, and cinderartscollective.com to check out all that we are up to. Catch you next time.